0: Hi, this is Carla Downing, the founder of Change My Relationship. Today, I'm bringing you an interview that I did. I was interviewed by Ann Nelson of Fully Thriving, and we were talking about scriptural truths for women, especially in difficult marriages. Now, these truths are my relationship-changing principles that I talk about in all of my classes and my books. So there are also truths in there that would apply to all difficult relationships, including men in difficult marriages and in difficult relationships. I am really excited to let you know that my new devotional, Change My Relationship, 365 Daily Devotions for Christians in Difficult Relationships, is now available for pre-order on Amazon, It is also available as an advanced reader copy sample on my website, changemyrelationship.com, and I'm hoping that you will love it and that you will share about it with your friends and that you will post a review and all of the things that you can do to make this book more available other people that are struggling in difficult relationships. So I'm gonna, I'm hoping you're just as excited about it as I am. So I think it's going to be an awesome resource. So I hope you enjoy this interview that I did with Anne, and that you'll learn something about the principles that I teach in my books and teach in my classes. And I hope that it will be very helpful for you in your difficult relationship or your difficult marriage.
1: Hi, Anne here with Fully Thriving. I'm here with Carla Downing. She is an award-winning best-selling author, speaker, Bible study teacher, and licensed marriage and family therapist. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: You're very welcome. I'm thrilled to be here and I can't wait to talk about all these things.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to be able to talk about scriptural truths for women. I mean that's so important, this trying to navigate how do we do this well and understanding the truths of scripture and not getting stuck in um, old patterns of thinking, right?
0: Absolutely, especially for those women that are in the more difficult marriages where these issues are challenging and they're trying to figure out how to navigate these dysfunctional, difficult dynamics with, and still following God's word and doing what God wants me to do.
1: Right. And oftentimes in those situations, you're hearing accusations from your spouse yes. that you're not doing what God wants you to do. So then you, you want to be humble and listen, like, oh no. Yes. <laughs> you know? So well,
0: and, the, and the other thing too, is you kind of, some women think, well, if I'm under the authority of my husband and my husband is telling me I'm wrong and he's blaming me and he's angry, then God must be angry with me too. Right. And then they feel that they're, they're like God is kind of saying the same thing and blaming them for the problems and nothing could be further from the truth
1: absolutely i think that's such an important point which leads us to this conversation about submission because i know for years i had to wrestle with what is biblical submission so what's the difference between healthy and unhealthy submission
0: well first of all and i can always tell when a woman comes to me and she says you know my husband tells me that the problems in my in our marriage are just because i don't submit and if I only submitted, everything would be fine. Right then I know that's not healthy submission because first of all, scripture never tells a man that he has a right to demand submission. It tells a man that he has to love his wife As his own body and the women that are in marriages with unhealthy submission the husbands don't care about what they think what they feel what they need it's more of a uh, of a domination and do what I say it's not a healthy partnership which scripture talks about a healthy partnership if a man loves his wife as he loves his own body he will care as much about her thoughts her feelings her desires and his her needs as his own and he will grapple with doing what is right taking both of those into consideration unhealthy submission the woman's needs are not then there's one more area of that and that is when a woman is asked to do something that she believes is not right is wrong is unhealthy for the family whether that be signing a loan that could financially destroy them, or going along with the husband, taking money, and using it on things that are not okay, or even, which unfortunately does happen way too often now with the rampant use of pornography, asking that a third woman come into the bedroom, women have a right to choose what they submit to. They're first submitted to God, and then they're submitted to their husbands, and the submission has to do with a choice to put herself under the husband in the sense of saying i'm going to follow his lead but she cannot do that think about abigail in the old testament when her husband nabal would not give david's troops what they he was asked for and she knew that was going to bring destruction on her family and on her servants <clears throat> she went to david and she said my husband's a fool yeah. a Fool! don't yeah. let him do this i'll give you what you need I'll bring you the food I'll let you do what you need and she saved all of those people and what did God do God struck Nabal dead Abigail married David
1: okay <laughs> so I mean I'm not
0: saying that God's gonna strike your husband dead but I am saying you know uh, in Acts 529 Peter and the disciples were told by the authorities which we were told to submit to under Scripture and they, they were told stop preaching about Jesus and they said no We're going to keep preaching because we're going to obey god rather than men so the wife lives in a marriage under that same same dictate where she gets to choose what is healthy what is good what is right what is righteous and what can i not sign on to and she does not have to participate in doing anything that is damaging to herself to her husband to her children to her marriage to her finances anything and that is healthy submission
1: Absolutely. You know, and I love that you qualify, that it's not just those things that um, you know, are explicitly wrong in scripture, but yeah. that if her conscience before God says, no, 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 this cannot happen, that that's a point where she does not, that's not biblical submission then to, to submit to her husband anyway it's actually no. disobedience to god
0: no. and that includes i mean you know, there, let's take some even some other examples like i have women who we have a lot of children that are suffering with mental illness with ADHD i have many women who are struggling because the husband is just stubborn i i don't believe in ADHD i'm not going to go ahead with medication i don't care that our 13 14 year old is suicidal she's not going to be on antidepressants doctors mm-hmm. are stupid i don't believe in psychiatrists you're not taking this child to therapy and i have women come me and say what do I do and I say you take care of your child right you just say no I will not go along with that our child is in danger you can become more educated but I can't support that and is there ramifications absolutely are there problems yes but you have to do you can't years later think oh my gosh I should have done that or my child wouldn't have committed suicide or my child wouldn't still have these learning difficulties or would have succeeded in school it's not fair to your kids and it's not right for you to live with that in your
1: conscience right absolutely i love i love that you point that out because we are living in this society where these extra issues are real for our children and somebody needs to be their advocate um, absolutely yeah and, and unfortunately, there can be a lot of stigma around mental health still to this day. We're we're doing a good job of kind of chipping away at it, but it's still there. Yes. Um. So, what? How do you respect a husband who is doing things that are not respectable?
0: Well, and now you know we don't even talk about submission as much in the church. We talk about. Respecting love and respect that with agarics came out with that book, you know years ago And so now all of a sudden it's you know, love your wife respect your husband So now women will say to me. Well, I don't know how to respect my husband. I'm told to respect him But I don't respect him and I say and you should not respect his behavior If the behavior is wrong and the behavior is not okay and the behavior is unhealthy Don't respect the behavior, but what we do when we offer respect The Bible talks about respect, tells us in the Old Testament to respect our elders, talks about respecting those that are in authority over us. It talks about respecting the elders in our church and those that take care of us, our pastors. Children are told to respect their parents. We're told to respect. Wives are told to respect their husbands. Husbands are told to respect their wives in 1 Peter 3. They are told to respect their wives. And then we have the example, which, which is not pertinent today, slaves to respect their masters, master slaves. I turn that into think of employers and employees, right? So the employees respect the employer, but the employer is supposed to also respect the employers. God wants his respect. Right. Interesting, doesn't He? And so when we think of respect, what is respect? Respect simply means to honor someone for the position they hold. So we treat like I will use this example in my classes. If the president of the United States, whichever one it was, somebody you didn't, don't like, don't support, different party, if that person walks into the room, you should treat that person differently than you did your casual friend when you walked into this class tonight we should treat that person differently why because of the position he holds there is respect in society there's respect so there's respect we give our husbands for being our husbands as men men desperately want and need respect unfortunately they don't think they have to earn respect they think it's owed to them just because they're men so as best as possible we let them know that we respect who they are, we respect their place as our husbands, and we speak to them truthfully about the things that are wrong in a respectfully way, not tearing them down, not in front of the children, not in front of other people, not telling them that they're failures, but saying these are the things that are not okay. Now, in my case, my husband felt that me saying anything to him critical of what he was doing was disrespectful. I can't control that. That's not my problem. As long as I do it respectfully, as long as I still respect who he is, I still get to speak my truth, still have to speak my truth scripturally. So that is how you do it. You do it in the way that you approach that person. Same thing with our parents. All of us have parents that some some of us don't like the things our parents have done. Some of us have elderly cranky parents that have dementia. Some of us have resentments and hurts and pain and wounding from parents that will never be resolved and yet we know how to interact with those parents in a way that says i honor you as my parent which is scriptural i respect you as my parent i will still do the things for you that i need to do to show you that i have that respect for you but i don't have to like what you did yeah and i can still say please don't talk to me that way or no you can't do that in my house
1: Yeah. yeah I think you I think you touched upon a couple really important things I just want to underline in and one is you were talking about the husband and um, your husband who just expected respect uh-huh. and oftentimes when I'm working with women they'll say well but if I do that he won't do this or he won't respond and you touched upon this like no, I still had to speak my truth. And that's true for all the parts of how we show up well as a wife. And some of those are speaking our truth and some of those are having self-control. Some of those are taking our thoughts captive, you know, all those things as well. And it doesn't really matter what he does. Uh -uh. If you're doing an action that is obedient to God, that is holy, that is emotionally, mentally healthy, then you don't... You don't have to worry. God's, in, God's the one that he's accountable to, not you.
0: Yeah, and the other thing with that, too, is that along with respect, men need acknowledgement, approval, and appreciation. So, you know, Gottman has research out that says for every one negative or critical thing that you say, five positive so if you build your husband up in the areas and some women will say there, there is nothing so well he gets up and he goes to work that's a big thing he comes home that's a big thing he helps with the kids at all that's a big thing he makes the coffee every you can you can literally look at those things and let your husband know and you can also let him know what you believe he's capable of I believe that you are capable of being an amazing man. I love you because I see that amazing potential in you. You have goodness in you, those types of things. If you balance that with the things that you have to speak truth about, you will see a much more positive response.
1: Right, well, and that comes, you're talking about Gottman, the whole concept, he's really big on the appreciation piece. And I know that um, I love the concept of being very specific and you just kind of identified specific things. So, and when we are in a difficult marriage, all the more important to be specific because you may not feel like, Oh, you're a wonderful husband, right? But you can always find something that you can be grateful for. And you listed some really great things and to be very specific about, I love the way that you took time out this evening to help our son with his homework. Maybe he has never done that before.
0: Oh, make right. a huge deal about it if he's never done it before. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> so right. Exactly. I to tell all my friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you, you talked about you still had to speak your truth. So, yes. what, Let's talk a little bit about that. What does the Bible say about a wife's right to speak her truth? Well, one of the things that I've
0: noticed in in dealing with women in, in difficult marriages is they tend to be very black and white. Again, back to their husbands are being black and white. They might be being they're thinking black and white, they're thinking in all or nothing. So they think about submission as everything. And with it submission, the husband's basically saying, shut up. And don't submit so but scripture doesn't just tell women to submit even though some people will say to women oh well if you have marriage problems just submit to your husband will be fine no 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 Mm -hmm. scripture is about relationship from Genesis 1 1 all the way through the end of Revelation Mm -hmm. and there are so there's so much scripture clearly tells us to speak the truth in love scripture clearly tells us in Matthew 18 to go to someone who is sinning and point out their fault And of course, Galatians 6 tells us be gentle because you want to be careful because you could be tempted in the same thing. However, we are to go to those confront those who are doing things that are wrong. We are to speak the truth We are to point out gently the sin that our brother is in we are to go to those who have something against us Scripture talks about healthy communication and conflict resolution. We are to love there's to be unity There's to be mutual caring mutual submission not just submission of the wife to the husband. There's so much in scripture so we all have a voice and for us as women sometimes it can be difficult to use that voice to find that voice i have women in their late 60s 70s and even 80s that are finding their voices for the first time and it's beautiful and i always get very excited we have a right as a partner in the marriage to use our voice speak truth and we are to do that in our marriage mutually as god uses us to help each other become better people Mm-hmm. so yes the Bible tells a woman to speak her truth in love and first Peter 3 1 through 4 is a bit of a problem with that sometimes misunderstood by women
1: yes. where
0: that's the scripture where it talks about if your husband's not saved you win him over not with your words but with your behavior and that you're supposed to have a gentle and quiet spirit and beauty comes from within not from makeup and clothing which is still okay just don't use that as the only place your beauty comes from that scripture that talks about gentle The word really has a root that means meekness it is the same one that was used to describe jesus in matthew 11 28 29 where he said come unto me all ye that are weary for i will give you rest for i am gentle and humble in heart now that word means strength under control it does not mean quietness shut your mouth never say anything now first of all no one ever nagged their husbands into salvation into the kingdom nobody ever you know has done that so we if you truly are trying to win your husband over to your faith it is going to be by your behavior that he's going to see that you are different and so that's easy but when it comes to speaking truth we can have that voice, we can have that strength, we can have that clarity, that conviction, and we can speak that with strength under control. Not screaming, raging, yelling, accusing, escalating, arguing, but strength under control, which is knowledge of the truth and conviction, controlled. And that is what that scripture talks about. Mm -hmm. So that does not mean shut your mouth. It means think about the words that you speak use your words carefully, choose them wisely. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And that is a not so easy thing to do, especially (laughs) when there's emotions, and there's a lot of resentment, there's a lot of hurt, and there's a lot, yeah. So it takes a lot of strength to do that.
1: It does, it does. And I love that you bring up that scripture in the way that people perceive it versus what it really means. And, you know, uh, You know, I often remind people or tell them if they don't know that, you know, our brain likes to conserve energy, right? So our brain doesn't naturally want to work hard to understand something. So if we want to understand it, we need to work hard to understand it. We need to really flesh out the scripture and figure out what is really being said here. And unfortunately, even just this last Sunday, uh, I heard a, a message preached that was talking very much about, well, you know, if you're submissive, you know, you, they might not even know that you're there because you're so meek that they don't even notice that you're present. And uh, and I know this person and that's not his heart, but that was the wrong <laughs> way to approach that scripture because that's not what meekness is at all. And I love that you broke that down to being, you know, strength under control. And even if we back up a little bit, a couple verses from that scripture, it, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for christ and then maybe that's in ephesians and then it goes into the roles as men and women well and the uh, thing about jesus
0: yeah if jesus is being described as gentle and humble in heart and and i tell people jesus was not the picture that you had on your wall as a child where he looks like you know his whole face is relaxed and passive that was a part of jesus that wasn't all of jesus jesus was the most assertive confrontational person that was ever that I could ever see, and he is the most. I tell people you can speak the truth, but not as strongly as Jesus. <laughs> Jesus actually said, "Woe to you, hypocrites, you sons of the devil!" You right. know, he spoke to people and he laid it out, and he was so he had so much authority when he spoke at twelve years old that going into the temple the scribes and Pharisees and the the teachers said, who is this that he speaks with such authority? The people were wowed. That is not somebody who is so meek and quiet that nobody knew he was there.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. It's such a good truth for women to remember is they're trying to navigate especially difficult marriages. How do we, you know, communicate? So what would you say that it means to die to yourself in marriage?
0: yeah now that's something else that's thrown out in christian circles and and again the woman in the difficult marriage or in a marriage who's really struggling with these truths and trying to figure it out goes extreme goes black and white so die to yourself in your marriage to them means well i'm going to die to myself as a person i'm going to give up my likes i'm going to give up my desires i'm just going to be my desires for my husband i'm going to just go along with him now that is not what scripture talks about when we talk about dying to self in scripture it literally talks about dying to our sin nature to lose our life for christ for the gospel for following christ for putting our life and our energy into things that promote the kingdom and that serve people and work in the church doesn't mean die to yourself as a person back to Ephesians, the husband, love your wife as you love your own self, Ephesians 5:29. for no one neglects his own body, and I tell people, that is my favorite scripture on relationships in the whole Bible, why, because when Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, was like, let's say he was like, mm, how do I tell these men to love their wives, how do I get this point across to this man, love your wife, oh, I know, why don't i just tell him just love her like you love yourself because we know that everyone loves their own body and takes care of their own body and that's normal and that's natural okay so if that is normal and natural for humans to take care of their own body and care about it and nurture it and feed it how could dying to self mean that i completely neglect ignore my own body my own needs my own self as a person you know i teach a class on truth in the mirror which is the whole idea is to discover discover your real image on self-image who god created you to be and i just watch people literally blossom when -hmm. they recognize who God created them to be. We do personality tests. We do understanding what your passion is and your truth and the things that have been told to you that are not true that you've taken in as a part of who you are and let those go and replace them with truth. God created us in his image. He created the world. He had fun like an artist on a canvas. And I always tell people, think of those just funky fish and creatures that are so colorful and weird at the bottom of the ocean in darkness you know, before there was this black light down there, whoever saw those, only God, he had so much fun. And so he created each of us different and he gave us the same desire and God was satisfied with his creation. And God created in each of us the ability to, the desire to produce, the desire to do things that we feel good about, the desire to just be who we are and these brilliant, beautiful talents and personalities. Do you think God in that creation created us and said, oops, now once you get married, you're nothing. No, <laughs> right. no, right. no, okay. we're to be who God created us to be. We're to be ourselves. And I, it, it's a process of, of discovery, of figuring it out. I know for me that uh, many years, my husband, my my husband was emotionally and verbally abusive for years following in footsteps, his dad, who was narcissistic. And mm-hmm. so in my husband used to tell me, for his own benefit, you know, you need to be quieter, you need to be softer. Well, my name is Carla. It means strong and womanly, and mm-hmm. he would also tell me, you're too hard, you're too, you're too, um, you talk too much, you're not very feminine. And I struggled with that for a long time, and mm-hmm. I literally couldn't be around soft-spoken women because it made me feel so self-conscious. But then I came to the point where I said, no, you will not say that to me anymore. Mm-hmm. One. I'm a choleric personality, I'm strong, I'm talkative, that's who God created me to be, those are the talents that you take advantage of in our marriage, and what you have me do in our lives, Uh, I am not going to not be who I am, I will consider that sometimes my kids tell me, mom, you talk so fast, I can't listen, I'll I'll slow down, I'll watch my intensity at times when it's overboard, but I will not apologize for who i am i love who i am i love my energy i'm going to use that god's using that and that is how every woman needs to feel i'm not going to apologize for who i am i'm going to be who god created me to be we're not only wives yeah we're not only mothers we are women we are people god wants us to use all of what he gave us
1: yes yes i love that and i i have heard that sprinkled through this uh interview that you just really have a passion to see women walk fully in who they are and that is also a passion of mine that just this idea because in marriage it's so easy to begin to serve everyone else to right. not dig deep into those scriptures or hear what the pastor's saying and think that's what i need to do and slowly but surely over a number of years a wife loses her identity, and her identity is mom, wife, housekeeper, maybe she has a job outside of the home, but that's all she is, and she starts to feel lost, yes. and then she starts to feel resentful, and yep. starts to be unloving, maybe stuffing too much and exploding, like all these ugly things start coming out that really aren't truly part of them other than their sin nature, mm-hmm. that not who they want to be before God, and it's not who they want to be for their spouse and their kids or for themselves, and so... I love, I love what I'm hearing because that's such an important thing. And you're talking about these women that are getting freedom even in their 80s. I mean, beautiful,
0: beautiful, beautiful. I get really excited.
1: (laughs) I'll say, that's it,
0: that's it. So I have women will say, how do I speak up? How do I? What do I say to him? They'll ask me. Well, he just said this. What do I say? What do I say? And for a while, I'll give them some options of ways that can respond. And then, one, then they'll come back to me. This one woman said well i just finally just told him quit yelling at me from the room i can't hear you i said that's it that's your voice you got it you got it that's it it's just being a normal person say mm-hmm. what a normal person is quit being so like careful and worried that oh my gosh i can't say what's on my mind it's like just say it, yeah. say it. Say it kindly but say it and sometimes we have emotion right so right. we get to use that too so we're just all we're who god created us to be fully
1: yeah yeah and i would say if somebody listening has gotten to that place where they just they don't even speak calmly at all anymore because they're just at that like they're the straw broke the camel's back there's nothing left and and they're in reactive mode that's really an important time to make sure to have somebody come alongside you because this reactive person isn't who you are at your core Mm. and you just need somebody to remind you and walk along with you as you figure out, okay, who am I at my core? Maybe you've lost track of that, you know? And what's
0: going on that I haven't spoken the truth about that I'm so upset about that's now just coming out all over, right? Right,
1: Right. absolutely, absolutely. So what would you say the Bible says about boundaries in marriage? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, well, I teach a five-week course on that, so I could talk for five hours (laughs) (laughs) or more. Actually, I could talk for, I do an hour and a half times five lessons, but basically first question that I get is, are boundaries really scriptural? Like, is it really okay to have boundaries? That's back to that, can I tell my husband no in marriage? I had a husband who told me for years, I mean years in my marriage, you can't tell me no, you just have to do what I say. And I would say no. And then we'd have an argument about why I can say no. And I'd say to him, I can say no. Finally, I said to him, we're never having an argument or a discussion about whether or not I have the right to say no to you again. and I didn't. I just said no, and I refused to discuss it. But boundaries are biblical. The scriptural principles for boundaries that I teach in my class are that boundaries are about choice. God's given us all choice. With our choice comes consequence. With Mm -hmm. consequence comes accountability. Mm -hmm. With God's made us all stewards over everything that he's given us, which means we get to, we have to protect that, choose how to use that. Boundaries help us protect god has given us that can be our heart that can be our emotions it can be our accountability to god because like i said i don't feel right saying yes to that it's going to be destructive for our marriage or family or me Uh, so boundaries are that and then also boundaries have to do with care i don't only care for the other person and take that person's needs into consideration i get to take my own needs into consideration and i am responsible first and foremost for taking care of myself and my responsibilities and my life and then i can think consider taking care of others and then influence our boundaries help us to influence all of those things are scriptural principles that we live with as people and as wives and as mothers and as daughters and so on and so forth right Mm -hmm. so boundaries are scriptural now boundaries are not about changing our husbands Many people say to me, and they say, I, my boundaries don't work because my husband just does what he wants to do anyway. He doesn't listen. I just say, but that's not a boundary. A boundary is about what you will do. That's all you can control. So I have people write out their boundaries. I will, Mm
1: -hmm. or
0: I will not fill in the blanks. So I will not watch those movies with you. Right. I will not sign that loan document. I will not do those things in the bedroom that feel disrespectful to me. Right. I will not go along with that discipline for our child that is damaging. That is what some boundaries are. Or, I will be willing to do this with our finances. So those are, that's a boundary. Right. And then if the person says, well I'm going to do it anyway, well then you have another situation that you need to figure out what your boundary is. And it right. simply is, Bottom line: what you will and you will not do about what another person does or doesn't do.
1: Yep. Yep. And that's
0: it. And that's,
1: that's biblical. Absolutely, and that's such a common misnomer. Um, whenever I am kind of teaching this concept that you're talking about, people just go like, "What?" Because the thing is, it's the book "Boundaries" is fantastic, but it can also be used as a weapon because people yeah. begin to think they're holding boundaries against somebody else. And you can't do this, you can't do this. And it is 100% about what you will or will not do exactly what you said. And there's a sense of personal responsibility in that then too. If you're saying I will not stand here and, and listen to you yell at me, and they're yelling, and they won't stop. Well, then you have, You have a responsibility. What are you going to do about
0: that? Walk out of the room. That's where, that's where when you state your boundary, I will not continue talking to you when you're yelling at me and the person continues to yell. Well, that's when you have to act on your boundary and you have to walk away or you have to, leave the house for a while or whatever that is so that's all but that's all within your control now here's the difficult part though and I'm going to tell you that we do an awful 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 lot in our relationships to prevent ourselves from having to go to that place of those bottom line decisions those Mm -hmm. that hard stuff of this person is doing this it's not okay with me I can't convince this person to change it I can't get my husband To stop doing this, this, or this. I desperately know I can't live with that or I can't accept that. Now, they've done all the nagging, the explaining, the lecturing, the whatever it is, changing themselves, trying to do all this stuff to appease. It hasn't worked. It's still there. When you have to get to that bottom line of, oh, what am I willing and not willing to do? It's a really hard place sometimes to come to. It takes time. I tell women be gentle with yourself. Take the time it takes to get there to where you have what I call clarity, which is just simply, that's it. I, I, I can't do this. I won't do this, or I'm, I will do this. And it's scary yes. to tell your husband that because especially if he is reactive and threatening or punitive and he comes back at you, then fine. I'm going to leave you or I'm going to take all the money. You have to stick to your boundary and you have to recognize that's a threat. If there's truth to it, go do what you need to do to protect yourself or recognize that he's just putting pressure on you to try to get you to back down and you just stand your ground and you pray you say god i know this is the right place for me i know you brought me to this place i know that at the core of my being this is right this is who i am this is what you've shown me and shown me is the right way i'm going to stand firm give me strength to not back down and help me to just turn my fear into trust at this moment because man is it a fearful (laughs) panicky place to be in when you're there and stakes are high and this person is just like well tough you know i'm gonna go do it anyway you just you gotta gotta that's where your your fear gets turned to trust in god and you just say god i'm gonna stand for what is right and good
1: right Absolutely. And it's, I love that you said that the fear turns to trust, because when we are operating in fear, we are not creative, right? We can't think of solutions when we're operating in fear. So that piece of pivoting to the trust in God, and asking him for solutions, God, what is possible here? Yeah, what can I do? and then you'll begin to see those things and and this again what you're describing anyone who's listening if this resonates with you you probably need somebody to support you to come alongside you whether it's through a a form of a group or whether it's an individual but to be able to get that strength to Mm -hmm. be able to be confident in those decisions that you're making because sometimes you do um you know i i have women sometimes come to me who have kind of come to this awakening that they're in a destructive marriage, uh, that their husband is maybe a narcissist or um, un- unmanaged bipolar or something like that. And, and they they come and they say, I just, I, I, do I need to leave or do I need to stay? And that's not the question to ask when you first discover this. Oh
0: no. Mm-mm. Yeah.
1: It's not leave or stay there, you, That part where you share to be patient with yourself. This is a time for patience because this is a very, it's good that you recognize it. Maybe they have an official diagnosis. Maybe they don't. Maybe just know that something really isn't right. Um, But this is the time to to be patient and to learn and to dig deep and to get the support you need.
0: Right. Yeah. You have a lot. There's a lot to learn about how to handle that, a lot of things you can do. And, yeah, and, you know, when you, I spent a lot of years in Al-Anon. And what they would tell people when you come into Al-Anon is for, the first six months to a year make no major decisions it's like just listen just learn just allow yourself to absorb truth and change and I'm not saying that a woman who's in a you know abusive destructive marriage can't make a decision if she sees it but I'm just saying there's there's a time to just absorb like you know what can I learn from this what can I learn about how applying truth and balanced scripture to my life to my marriage that is different from just submit respect your husband, tolerate and be quiet. That is not what scripture teaches. Those are all misunderstandings. And unfortunately, they are things that are picked up or suggested without people really realizing that that's what they're saying or understanding that someone in a really difficult, dysfunctional, destructive marriage is going to take those to the extreme and do things that will actually hurt herself and her marriage.
1: Right right absolutely and one caveat for anyone who's listening if there's physical violence in your home yeah, right. it's safe yeah if you leave and you move out and you're separated and you take the kids with you or whatever that does not automatically mean divorce that means you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your children and then, you, then then the patience comes in. Now and, you need to be patient with yourself as you try to figure out what this looks like yeah. and come to a full understanding. So and, and you,
0: yeah, and verbal and emotional abuse is just as destructive, but even more difficult to pinpoint because it can be so crazy-making and confusing. So no abuse is okay. Right. And, and I don't tell women to leave, and I don't tell them not to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some women that my, my, again, in the church, we have the same thing, which is, Oh, no, no. I mean, I try to bring my class for marriage and women, uh, women in difficult marriages, thriving in difficult marriages. I've had I've had people that have translated it into Spanish. And so we've tried to get Spanish churches around to send people over. And the first thing that we get when we go talk to any pastor, Spanish or you know not, is, well, I don't want the women to go there and think they can divorce. And and I'm just like, oh my gosh, is that really your only concern for these women in these difficult marriages is that they not divorce? Like, what about caring? God's heart is broken over the pain that he sees these women in. God cares about all of it. We have to care about all of it. So it's the whole idea of you can't divorce. I mean, there's no, I don't say that. But on this at the same time i don't say I say with divorce comes a lot of extra problems right right
1: exactly.
0: yeah. So up, and nobody, involved, yeah. make your own decision and wait
1: <laughs> and that's bringing us back to the earlier conversation really what it boils down to is you figuring out who you are before the lord walking yeah. fully in who he created you to be and then that's your decision yeah. You're gonna be sensitive to the scriptures and hear from God and you're gonna seek out what is best for you. Nobody should tell you stay or leave. And unfortunately, I have all too often heard that that they got advice from a pastor, from a friend, from a support group, in both ends. You have to stay, you have to leave. And neither one is okay because it's the person that's in the marriage, it's them before God and they need to figure out what they they sense they need to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. When yeah. they
0: get there, not at their point in their time when their heart is there. And I have women who will tell me, I just don't feel God's release yet in my marriage. I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and these are things that are going on that are not okay. And I just say, you know what? I cannot second guess that. Right. I, uh, before you have your own conviction at your time. And that is absolutely, I have to, I would get behind that. Yeah. because that's that every every back to boundaries we all have choice right it's our lives and yeah. it's our choice of what we do with our lives and our relationship with god
1: yep yep uh, absolutely so i love this i know we could probably talk all day on this topic we could. <laughs> we could. But i know that you have a generous offer for our audience can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that
0: Yes. um, I have a, what I do is a devotional, free devotionals on my website um, that I have. They don't come out every day, so you're not bombarded. They come out once every eight days. You also get a notification when you subscribe of my new YouTube videos, which I put up about once a week. And with the subscription, when they subscribe, they get a free 15-day relationship challenge. It's a downloadable challenge and for 15 days you take one of those truths and apply that to your relationships you can focus on your marriage you can do all your relationships whatever that is and that's that's kind of like a jump start and then my website changemyrelationship.com i have studies books audios videos you know my facebook posts my podcast Subscription, all of those things available, and so if anybody is struggling with these truths, if they resonated, there's a lot more material there for them to learn the truths that we have talked about today, and those truths will set them free, truly. So, thank Perfect. you so yeah.
1: much for having me. Yes, thank and you for sharing generously both of your wisdom and your resources. I really, oh, really that. welcome. Okay, all right. God bless. Me okay. too. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview on Change My Relationship. We hope you will subscribe to these podcasts and share them with your friends. Carla would love to hear from you. She welcomes ideas for future podcasts as well as your feedback on how the podcasts have helped your life and relationships. You can email her at Carla at com For more information on Change My Relationship and Carla Downing's ministry, including her books, studies, devotionals, podcasts, and YouTube videos, visit changemyrelationship.com.